Welcome, message number 10 of 10, the final message in our king-size challenge. And this morning, Josiah, and we've entitled the message, you see it there in your outlines, Josiah's king-size resolution. Now watch this. All of us in this room make resolutions. You make resolutions all the time of various sizes. Some resolutions are small, other resolutions are quite magnanimous and have great implications to them. The other day, I was walking through Costco, and there was a book that caught my eye, Guinness's World Book of Records 2015. Have you ever just flipped through one of those? And I bought it, brought it home, and I'm just cracking up reading what I'm reading. It's unbelievable. And what hit me is all of these people have made some unbelievable resolutions to hold a record. For example, most bites in one minute while juggling three apples. 151 bites. <laughs> Imagine that. Most pancakes made, Carl Ricker, listen to this, in one hour single-handedly, 1,092. Longest swimming nonstop in open water, 313 miles. Most consecutive forward rolls, just rolling, 8,341. Listen to this, Dan Kaufman. Most steps climbed by a bicycle without touching the walls or putting one's foot down, 2,754 steps climbed. Longest time spent in full body contact with ice water with ice, one hour, 53 minutes. Greatest distance run on a treadmill. This one blew me away. 510 miles over seven days straight. <laughs> Longest or biggest, largest cinnamon roll. 609 pounds, seven feet in diameter. Loving that. Most drinking straws stuffed into one's mouth. 400. Tom Gardner holds that record, ladies and gentlemen. Just joking. <laughs> Heaviest weight lifted by one's beard. 141 pounds. And this is amazing. Steve Cavalier, are you here? Okay, listen to this, baby. Most water skiers towed by one boat, 145. Wow. Now, maybe you're not going to make a resolution to be in the Guinness World Book of Records, and you probably won't, but guess what? All of you make resolutions. Now, watch this. There is one resolution, one resolution that God has brought you here this morning that He wants you to make. Of all the resolutions you can make, there is one resolution God wants you to make, and it's why he's brought you here. And Josiah made this king-sized resolution. Your life will go one direction or another depending on if you will make this resolution or not. What is it going to be for you? This is the king-sized challenge today. Will you embrace Josiah's king-sized resolution or will you wimp out? Who will you be? Let's a little, a little background about King Josiah. 
He served as the 16th king over the southern kingdom of Judah. You will see him in Matthew's genealogy. You saw it this morning if you were in the first service. Here's a picture of, again, the divided kingdom at this period of time with the kings. And here, Josiah reigned in Jerusalem, the southern kingdom. That is where the capital was. He reigned 640 B.C. to 609 B.C., 31 years. He served as the last good king before the Babylonian captivity when the southern kingdom was crushed in 586 B.C. Most significantly, what do you remember about Josiah's life? This guy made a resolution that is incredible, so noteworthy, and it's the resolution all of us are called to make as well. You should have your Bibles. Take them to 2 Kings chapter 22. This is where you should be. This is what I want to do this morning. I want to do three things. We're going to read chapter 22, 2 Kings. We're going to do a little teaching as we go along so you can understand what's going on. Then I'm going to state clearly what his resolution was. And then I'm going to give five ways to live out Josiah's king-size resolution, all modeled by Josiah. 2 Kings 22, starting in verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscoth. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. He was a good king. Verse 3, in the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, that secretary of state, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshalem, to the temple of the Lord. Now the temple was in Jerusalem. And he said, go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, the offerings which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. So jo Josiah has a heart to keep the temple in good shape, condition. So collect the money is what he's given the order. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the, the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are acting faithfully. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Now, now just stop there. That's a huge thing. I have found the book in the temple of the Lord. What, Mark, aren't there all sorts of books in the temple of the Lord at this time in history? No, 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 no. There were not. What do you mean? Well, the book being referred here, by the way, that's a common term, the book of Deuteronomy. Now, this time in history is incredibly dark. The northern kingdom of Israel has already been taken into exile. And the southern kingdom will shortly be taken into exile. But it was a very dark time. Even though Josiah was a good king, the kings prior to him were incredibly wicked. You say, how wicked? Well, the previous godless kings sought to rid the nation of any copies of God's Word. I mean, they brought in idolatrous practices and wicked things. We're going to read about that in just a second. But they literally sought to literally wipe out the Word of God from all of Judah. 
this one copy somehow survived. And God's providence, and scholars have debated where it could have been found. Was it near the Ark of the Covenant? Some think it was in, you know, the money changers at the bottom. It was hidden. But somehow this one copy of the book of Deuteronomy was found. Well, what did Hilkiah do with the book of Deuteronomy? Look at verse 8. Well, he gave it to Shaphan, who read it. (laughs) What did Shaphan do? Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hokiah the priest has given me the book. That's the book of Deuteronomy. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Why? When you tear your robes, that's a sign of contrition, of conviction, that you are broken, you are distressed. He tore his robes, the king did, Josiah, because of what he read. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, we don't have time, but especially later, if you want to do this, you can do it tonight. When you get home, Deuteronomy 16, 17, and 18, and especially chapter 28. You read those chapters, you'll know why Josiah tore his robes. These chapters describe the role of the king and the curses that will fall upon the king and his kingdom if the king does not uphold the book of Deuteronomy, the law, and wipe out false worship from his kingdom. And clearly, Josiah was not doing that. Wow. What else does Josiah do? Look at verse 12. He gives an order. Son of, he says, uh, well, look at verse 12. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Achim, son of Shaphan, Achbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book. I want to know really what this means. He's like, I need to understand this better. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in there. Hukiah the priest, Ahakam, Ekbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to speak to the prophetess Huldah. They went to the most godly person they knew who was a prophetess there, there in Jerusalem, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tibkah, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe, She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. She said to them, this is what she said. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man, Josiah, who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring about disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in this book. The king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Look at verse 19. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, Josiah, when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring upon this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Now, 
Let your eyes go back to verse 19. Look at the first five words of verse 19. Because your heart was responsive. Let me give you Josiah's king-size resolution. It's a heart that is responsive to God's word. See, one of the greatest resolutions you can make in your life, watch this, is to cultivate a heart that is responsive. Watch this. Everyone look to this book. A heart responsive to this book. Look, if you would, at the end of chapter 23, or near the end of it, at verse 25. This is a summary statement about Josiah's life. Look at verse 25. Neither before nor after Josiah. Think of all the kings before Josiah and all the kings after. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. That's powerful. No king in all the Bible, including David, responded to God's word like Josiah. What a statement that God made about this man's life. Question, how would God describe your heart this morning? How responsive are you to this book? Can you find this book in your house? Or is it hidden? Is it dusty? You know, when I was in high school, I didn't know the Lord. I was kind of uh, made to come to church by my parents. And I, if you knew me back then, you'd be just like, wow, this guy is so far from God. And I was very critical and cynical of other Christians. Because when I came to my youth group, I saw only hypocrites. All these kids here that are worshiping God, they party with me. They swear with me. Bunch of hypocrites. I was very judgmental. And then one day, a young man named Jeff got up and he asked for prayer. And he was given up his entire summer to go as a missionary to Africa to serve. And I sat back there with my arms crossed and I said, that is the real deal. That's the only Christian in this whole room. That is responsive and responding to God's word. It really spoke to me. You know what God sees this morning? He sees our hearts. He sees our hearts. We, as we look at each other, we see people on the outside. You, you can't see people's hearts. That only God can. That's where God says, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Psalm 44, 21, he knows the secrets of the heart. God knows all our secrets. He, he sees our hearts. So let me ask you a little bit about your heart. What kind of heart do you bring to God this morning? Here's God's word. Here's your heart. In relation to God's word, how is your heart? Is it a distant heart? Is it distracted? 
filled with other things? Is it indifferent to this book? Is it cold to this book? Or is it teachable to this book? Is it responsive to this book? You want to know one of the most romantic things? You want to know how to kindle romance? Actually, the, the greatest indicator of romance in marriage is this, responsiveness. If you have a wife or a husband who is responsive to you, that's romance, that's beauty, that's love. If your wife or husband is not responsive to you, that says something about their hearts. And God is looking for men and women, his children, who have a heart that is responsive to him, not distant, not cold, in love, heartbeats. Josiah, the greatest in the Bible, an incredibly tender, responsive heart to God. To cultivate that type of a heart is one of the greatest resolutions you can make in your life. Wow. The question becomes this, how? That is the question this morning. We're going to take the rest of our time to look at. How do we cultivate and maintain a heart that's responsive to God's Word? Maybe you look back in your life and you remember a time when your heart was incredibly responsive to God's Word, but you know what? Somehow, like sometimes in marriages... The responsiveness can just kind of deaden, and, and it, it's not as fresh and alive. That can come back in marriage. It can also come back in your heart responsiveness to this book. How? Well, you got to follow the example of Josiah. I mean, Josiah's example is, is unbelievable. Remember, the Bible says in Romans 15, 4, everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. There is teaching and encouragement from the life of, Uzziah, uh, of, of Josiah on how to cultivate a heart that is so responsive to God. We see it in his life. And we're going to give you five ways to cultivate a responsive heart to God's Word, modeled by Josiah right now. First thing I see, you want to have a responsive heart, you've got to hear God's Word. Chapter 22, verse 11, first thing we see after this book was found, we see in verse 11, then the king heard the words of the book, read to me the book, and he hears the book of Deuteronomy read. Josiah was hearing Shaphan, secretary of state, read from Deuteronomy. So let me ask you a question. When is your time where you have the privilege of hearing someone read from the Word of God. You'll notice that I typically will read an entire Scripture. There's power in reading God's Word. Some Bible teachers just skip over it. They won't read the text. I want to read it. There's power in the Word of God being read and when you hear God's Word being read. When do you hear God's Word being read? Is it in church only? Is it in your car? Is it in your iPod? Are there times you're listening to Bible teachers? That's fine, but I want to encourage you to create a time in your life where you will literally hear the Word of God read, just read by someone else. If you're married, you know what I'm going to say, that should be your spouse. 
I so encourage you to have a time with your wife or your husband, and Tracy and I do it six days a week, where she typically reads the Word of God, and then we pray. There's power in that. If you're not married, a friend that you can cultivate that time. If you don't want to do that, or you like stiff arm that, what is that saying about your heart? What's that saying about your heart? You see, if you want to have a heart responsive to God, it starts by just letting the word of God be read so you can hear it. There's a new ministry at our church starting. It's called Ratio. It's one-on-one Bible reading. You can sign up for it. Go to the bulletin, and you can read about it. More on that later. But the Bible says this, Proverbs 8, 34, blessed are those who listen to me. You'll be blessed by just listening to the Word of God. Revelation 2, 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, James 1, 19. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the Word of Christ. The first way we train our heart to be responsive to God's Word is by hearing it read. Second way to cultivate a heart that's responsive to God's Word is by be convicted by God's Word. I look at chapter 22, and I see verse 11, and it says that after Josiah heard it read, he tore his robes. And then you look at verse 19, and it says, Uh, He tore his robes again, and he wept in God's presence. There's tearing and humbling and weeping. The point is this. There should be times when God's Word just humbles us. It shatters us. It breaks us. It flattens us. We look at God's Word, and we look at our own lives, and, and we compare the two, and we're undone by the holiness, the glory, the beauty of God, the standard of God's Word, and it just, we're, we're flattened. Like Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King The Lord Almighty, whenever you put your eyes on this book, you're seeing the King. This is the revelation of God. And there should be times it just flat out convicts us. If not, your heart is not responsive to God. You've hardened your heart. This book, it'll break us to make us. If you're never broken by this book, oh, beloved, your heart is not responsive. The purity of God's word shatters. It's like a hammer, and that's good. You know, part of my practice, I think you know, is to read two chapters in the Old Testament every day and two chapters in the New Testament every day. I always read a gospel in the, in the New Testament and then an epistle. That's what I've done my whole life, just about. I always read a gospel. You want to know why? Because I cannot... Look at Jesus without being crushed. (laughs) I just look at the way he lives and I go, I'm not that, and I'm just humbled. And most of my journal entries have to do with Jesus. You look into his face, you look how he ministered, how he loved, how he preached, how he taught, how he answered everything. He went to the cross. And and it it, it just humbles me. Like Peter, Luke 5, 8, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. 
Psalm 51, 17, like David, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Or like Job 42, 5, my ears have heard of you, but now I have seen you, God, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's a good thing, to have that experience with God and his word, beloved. Yes, we want to hear God's word, but then we are convicted by God's word. God's word is so powerful. When you sit before God's word saying, God, give me a responsive heart. Have you ever read the book of Hebrews and how it describes the word of God? Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom we must give an account. The only person that can read this book and not be shattered by it is a person who has an unresponsive, cold, indifferent, stiff-arming God. You cannot read this book without absolutely being crushed by it, but then built up. That's one of the aspects of God's Word. Have you ever read the Word of God to a non-Christian for the first time? I was on a houseboat once for a bachelor party, and I was sitting next to a man who was actually the father of the groom who didn't know Jesus, and I said, John, and I'm reading my Bible, and he sat next to me. I go, John, have you ever read the Bible? And he goes, no, never my whole life. And I go, would you just read one verse? I gave him John 3.16. He read John 3.16 out loud. Tears started coming down his lips. I said, John, do you want to give your life to Jesus? He said, yes. One verse crushed the power of God's word with a heart that's open. How do we maintain and cultivate a heart that is responsive like Joseph? You've got to hear the word of God read, but then you've got to come before it and allow it to convict you. Thirdly is this. Inquire about God's word. Now, I look at Josiah in chapter 22 and verse 11. You know, the thing he does is he sends for the prophet, the prophetess, to find out about God's word. There should be times our hearts lead us to inquire about God's word, where we're curious about God's word, where we want to search out God's word. We want to understand it better. So let me ask you a question. Do you have an, an inquiring heart? Do you have a heart that wonders about God's word, like the psalmist, Psalm 42? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Where do you go to inquire about God's word? When's the last time you've inquired about God's word? Do you call a friend? Do you call a pastor? Do you turn to your study Bible? One of the greatest places I always encourage people to turn to is Google. When people call me, and I'm, you're, you can call me anytime you want and ask me a Bible question, I'm happy to answer it, but I always train you to go to Google. You say, how do you use Google? Type in any question you want from the Bible into Google, any question you want. 99% of the time, you will always get a good evangelical answer, an answer that typically I will agree with, because the only people that use Google to search for the Bible are conservative evangelical Christians. <laughs> and you know how Google works. It continues to answer the most hits that, you know, it, it gives you good answers. You don't need Bible software. There's good Bible software out there, but don't spend your money there. Go to Google first. 
But you should be going to Google. When's the last time you're doing that? You see, you want to have a heart that's responsive to God? You need to get answers in your own personal Bible study to what this word means and this concept means. There should be times you're going to the prophet, so to speak, to learn. If not, what is that saying about your heart? Are you like Paul who said, I want to know Christ, Philippians 3.10? Are you like the psalmist who said, give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart? Are you like the Berean Christians in Acts 17? They examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So you hear God's word. You're convicted by God's word. You inquire about God's word, the fourth way to cultivate a heart that's responsive to God's word. Read God's word. Chapter 23, verses 1 to 2. So after the king gets this response from the prophetess about judgment's going to come, but it's not going to come in your day, Josiah, Look at chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord. Now, he's not the priest, prophet, priest, and king back then. He is the king. He's not a man of the cloth, so to speak. But he went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least and the prophets, the greatest, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. Did you catch? He, Josiah, read, watch this, the entire book of Deuteronomy, which, by the way, is 28 chapters long. Here is the king. He's not a man of God, just like some of us dads, husbands, wives. We don't feel like we're some super spiritual reader, but guess what? This man got up in front of everyone, all the prophets, all the priests, the whole kingdom, and he said, this book is important. That's how responsive his heart is to God. And he read 28 chapters in the temple. Wow. Reading God's word. There should be times we read God's word out loud. So dads, When's the last time you've read the Bible to your children? When's the last time you've read the Bible to your wife? When's the last time you've just opened that book at your company Christmas party, the Word of God, and you read the Word of God? Wow. That takes a lot of guts. Yeah, just like Josiah. That takes a, a heart that's responsive to God's Word. Wives, when's the last time you've read God's Word out loud? Tell a Bible story to your children. Hmm. Co-workers. You know, it's funny. You know, we, we have friends all the time talking to us about the crisis they're in. When's the last time we've just read the Bible? Let's read Ephesians chapter 2 about that. Let God's Word speak to this situation. How about if we read just Psalm 23? Read a psalm to someone who's in a crisis and then just ask, don't preach. Just say, what do you think that's saying to you? I bet you that psalm will do more than you could in an hour trying to counsel that person. One psalm can change that person's life, but we, we tend to think, I don't know, our words are going to make any difference? Are you kidding me? When we have the Word of God, read it. There should be times we read God's Word publicly. Paul said, 1 Timothy 4, 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. There should be times we read God's Word privately. Revelation 1, 3, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And you remember Jesus in Mark 1.35, while it was still early, he got away with God to have that quiet time in the Word and in prayer. Wow. All right. Those are the first four 
ways. We cultivate a heart. And I want you to talk a little bit before I give you the fifth way. Of the first four ways to cultivate a heart that is responsive to God's word, which one would be the most helpful for you to kind of incorporate into your own life? Talk about that at your tables. Go for it. Okay, allow me to point out the fifth way to cultivate a heart that's responsive to God's Word. And you would expect this. The fifth way is this. Follow God's Word. And we see this with Josiah in chapter 23 and verse 3. It says, The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep His commands, regulations, and decrees with all his heart and with all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant as well. So Josiah pledges himself to follow God's word himself, then everybody else followed it. And that's typically what happens. Following God's word starts with us, and then eventually everyone else follows. And this is very important for all of us who are in leadership positions. Whether you're a husband or a parent or a spiritual leader, People tend to follow what we do, not what we say. So how is your heart when it comes to following God's Word? You see, you can be a person that you can hear God's Word and then be convicted by it and inquire about God's Word and read God's Word. That's important. But ultimately, it comes down to are you allowing God's Word to transform your life in that now you are following and obeying it? The ultimate sign that you have a responsive heart to God is God's Word is transforming your life. Now watch this. You have to examine your life. I mean, if Sunday after Sunday you're remaining the same and you're not seeing any changes in your life, it comes down to one thing. You've not made a resolution to have a responsive heart to God. It's same old, same old. And you've got to address a heart issue in your life. Look at David. Acts 13, 22. I have found David... Son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. See, your heart is after God's with a responsiveness when you will do everything God wants you to do. So let me ask you a question. Is there anything God wants you to do right now? You'll know that as you read this book, as you're convicted by it, as you listen to it, and then as you obey it. And it just keeps going on and on and on like that. It ultimately shows itself that we have a responsive heart when we obey God's Word. And Josiah was commended ultimately because there was no one in all of the history of all the kings, included David, who responded in obedience like Josiah did to the Word of God. And James tells us, 122, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So here's the question I want to answer as we come near or the next 10 minutes. How do we cultivate a heart that really responds to God in obedience? Because this is often the most difficult part. Some things just, people, we just get stuck. And we're like, I'm not obeying God. Why? We need to, there's some, there's heart surgery needs to take place. Let's talk about some things. Um, I, I see something here, a couple things that are very powerfully illustrated by
by Josea's life that have really impacted my life over the years. I'm not learning these things totally, but I'm learning them. But let me explain it this way. Anytime you are exposed to God's Word, there will always be two primary categories in which God is speaking to you about making some changes. It doesn't matter the Scripture you read. You could be in Leviticus. You could be in Matthew. You could be in Revelation. It doesn't matter. Whenever you read the Bible, there are always two things that God is wanting to change. So this might be helpful for you. The first is this, two categories of following God's Word. First of all, there is the purifying part of removing what is sinful. Whenever you read God's Word, God wants to purify your heart and remove from your life what is sinful, always. And we see this with Josiah big time. I mean, Josiah, after you know, he heard God's Word, is convicted by God's Word, inquires about God's Word, reads God's Word, and now God begins to talk to his life about making some adjustments, purifying his life, and removing what is sinful. And I don't have the time, but I'm going to point out just a couple illustrations of this in chapter 23. You're going to have to read the whole chapter later. But look at chapter 23 and look at verses 4 to 5, for example. Look what Josiah does. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeeper to remove the temple from the temple of the Lord, all the articles made for Baal and Asherah. In the temple, next to the book of Deuteronomy, was still Baal worship and Asherah worship. He burned them outside of Jerusalem in the Kidron Valley. Look, if you would, at, at verse 10. He desecrated Topeth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hanum, so no one could use it to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire to Moloch. We talked about that last Sunday. There was child sacrificing going on. And, and, and Josiah, after hearing the word of God, I'm going to rid my kingdom of this grotesque sin. This is what God's word does to you. It speaks to you and it speaks to me about our own sin. Verse 12, he pulled down the altars of the kings of Judah that they erected on the roof near the upper room. They would have these starry altars up as high as they could to the gods, so to speak, in the heavens. And Josiah's like, we're tearing those down. All of this astrology worship. It's all through the whole chapter here. Uh, look at verse 24. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things in Judah. It goes on and on and on. When God speaks to you and you have a responsive heart, guess what? The Holy Spirit and you go after sin. And you remove it. And God will begin to speak to you about sinful practices or things in your life, your home, your attitudes, your habits, your choices, your language, your relationships. Wow. This happens every time I read the Word of God. I go, I look at God's standard, I look at my own life, and I go, Lord, help me to turn and flee from that and follow you. And the positive part, there's a negative part always to Scripture, but then there's a beautiful positive part. And what is godly? And we see this in Josiah's life as well. In this chapter are these beautiful moments when God speaks to Josiah from the Word about to build some things that are godly. And again, I wish I could point out all of it, but look if you would at verses 21 and to 23. The king gave this order to all the people, celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God and is written in the book of the covenant. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, nor throughout the days of the kings of Israel, and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. I mean, he's like, Passover's a good thing, right? Let's celebrate it. 
And there's going to be things in your life that you will build into your life as a family, as a dad, as a mom, godly things, godly practices. So the Word of God always has this dual role whenever we read it. Convict us of sin and build us in righteousness. The purifying part, removing what is sinful. The positive part, building what is godly all the time. Yesterday, Tracy and I were doing a little Christmas shopping. (laughs) And uh, we were in a parking lot. And right when I got out of the car, I see uh, a woman in front of me in a minivan. She's backing up her car. And she's literally, and there was traffic behind her. She didn't see it. And this car is literally, I mean, backing right into a car that's sitting there trying to get out of the parking lot. And I just, I yelled, stop, like this. And she hit the brakes. And I walked to the back of the car. And I mean, it was a 16th of an inch. It may have just kissed the car. And both the ladies were like, (laughs) with the lady in the other car. And I look by and I go, I I, I did this. I went, safe. And I said, now, you pull forward. And so the lady pulled forward, and then they're all, <sighs> Then I walked over to the lady, you know, that I yelled stop to, and I, I put my hand in her, and I said, it's okay. It's okay. In her heart, you know. That's God's word. Whenever we read God's word, God says, stop! Pull forward. You're okay. You're okay. Now watch this. A responsive heart when they read the Bible, that's what you're always going to hear. God loves you. I mean, one of the most, this book is 66 books. One day I'm going to do a series called The Bible, and we're going to go into depth, and I've got about 10 series I want to teach on. Next Sunday, I'm going to share with you the next couple series we'll be teaching on in 2015. But this book is so precious, so precious. God wants to say, stop. And then he wants to say, pull forward. You'll be blessed. It's okay. It's okay. So that will only come to you if you are reading it and being convicted by it and inquiring about it and hearing it and ultimately saying, I'll follow it. Mm. Now, there are many scriptures here that give these dual aspects of God's Word and what it does to our lives, and I've written them down for you. Let me point these out to you real quickly. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Would you take your pencil out right now or pen? Circle this word. Teaching, circle it. Underline rebuking. Underline correcting. Circle training. In righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what the Word of God does. It teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, trains us in righteousness. Do you know that Two of those descriptive words are negative and two are positive. Teaching and training that you circled are positive things God's Word does to you. Rebuking and correcting are negative. This is what the Word of God does when we have a responsive heart to it. You look at John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. What happens to our hearts when we read the truth of God's Word? It sanctifies us. Sanctification is setting you apart from sin and unto God's righteousness. There's always the dual parts, the positive and the negative part of God's word, so to speak. 
Look, if you would, at 1 Timothy 6.11. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. There's the fleeing part of Scripture and the following part of Scripture always whenever you read the Word of God. I'm probably taking too much time on that, but I think it's important for you to understand when you read the Word of God, God's going to be saying, stop! Okay, pull forward. You're going to be okay. Now, sometimes the, the problem isn't that we aren't maybe hearing God's word read, it's this, and maybe this is you. I don't want to address one more issue that I think is a challenge. Sometimes it's we're just hearing so much, it's hard to know where to apply and obey God's word. It's called information overload. Even on a Sunday morning, you'll hear a sermon from Larry, you'll come and hear a sermon from me. You hear so much sometimes. It's like, pastor, I hear so much, and then I read the Bible. How do I know And how do I begin applying God's word? So I want to give you one more principle that I see in Josiah's life that has greatly helped me out. And let me give it to you in the form of a principle and then illustrate it with Josiah's life. Make it your goal to follow God just one step at a time. I know that sounds so simple. It's not simplistic. It may be a simple truth, but it's not easy to apply. And let me share this with you in all tenderness. I know Christians that have been Christians for years that can't apply this principle and their life never changes. They just go one Sunday after another after another and, they, and they're just the same. And you want to know why? It's because they've not learned to apply, watch this, the Word of God to their life one step at a time. That's measurable in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Say, what do you mean by that? I don't have the time, I wish I did, to take you through Josiah's life. If you read 2 Kings 23, you will see, I mean, God says there's never a guy like Josiah whose heart was so responsive to God's word. You will see him obeying God one step at a time. He takes down one Asherah pole. Then he takes down one area of Baal worship. Then he takes down one starry host, you know, center of worship. It's one thing at a time that he literally goes after with the Holy Spirit. Some of us are just so overwhelmed with life. You've got to get away. You've got to get quiet. You've got to allow God to speak to you about making one. It's not about perfection. It's about making progress. And you'll never grow in sanctification unless you walk by faith. Walk one step. Brothers, Paul said, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. So this is the deal. You're hearing a sermon today. You're hearing home builders. What is the one thing you will do this week that you've never done before? Do it for a week. It can be one little thing. Maybe it's reading the Bible out loud with a friend or your husband or wife. You do that, guess what? You've done something new you've never done before. And that's all you need to do. Maybe it's something else, but it's one thing. This has been my goal when I hear a sermon. Do one thing and one thing only. If you do that, you're going to be doing that 52 times a year. 52 times a year doing one thing for a week will absolutely revolutionize and transform your life. Or you can just listen to all the information and be overloaded with it, and you walk out of here, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's go see the Niners and the Raiders fight. 
Are you following me? One thing. All right, discussion question. When it comes to following God's Word, how have you experienced the two categories of following God, and how are you learning to follow God's Word just one step at a time? Now, you know, because we're out of time, I'm going to have you discuss that with your spouse or when you're driving home with a friend. So let me wrap this up with a final question. Are you ready to face Josiah's king-size resolution? My, my question is simple. Are you ready to say, God, no longer am I going to live my life with a heart that's not responsive to you? I want to have a responsive heart to your word. And Josiah made the resolution to cultivate this type of a heart. How did that happen? Well, he said, I'm going to hear God's word. I'm going to be convicted by God's word. I'm going to inquire about God's word, read God's word. I'm going to follow God's word by removing what is sinful, by building what is godly, and I'm going to follow God's word one step at a time. What an incredible example. And this is what God said about Josiah. May God say this about us. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king, a husband, or a wife like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all of his strength. Because your heart was responsive. We can cultivate that kind of heart. I pray you and I would cultivate that kind of heart. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.